Hey there, and welcome to the Smart and Simple Matters show with your host, Joel Zeslovsky. Do you know the song by the Dixie Chicks? You know, the, the one called More Love? Well, it might be all you need after our upcoming conversation. This is episode number 104. Howdy doodly there, friend. The sun is bright where I am, and even if it wasn't, I'd still have a warm feeling in my heart knowing that you're giving me your time and attention for the first time or once again. Either way, thank you. That is super nifty. I am going to honor the commitment you're making to hear what I and my guests have to say. And as always, this episode is brought to you by my voice and Patreon supporters. I do not want sponsors. I just want you. So consider showing your support for me, this show, and our community at joelzeslowski.com slash support. Now, here's an extra dose of love to Chasing Henry on iTunes, who wrote a recent review of the show with a subject of sweet, sassy molassie. As you might imagine, that made me happy. Chasing Henry wrote... Listening to Smart and Simple Matters is like having one of those late-night existential talks with your best friend, minus the hangover. Joel explores some truly profound topics with honesty, humor, and genuineness that is contagious. I dare you to listen to a few episodes because it really will change your life in a very good way. My dabbles in minimalism have evolved into the start of my very own personal renaissance because of the inspiration I received from listening Thank you, Joel, for creating such a gift to the world at large week after week. You rock. Woo, a great googly moogly chasing Henry. Wow. I received that, and I know others appreciate it as well. So I've been on this recent kick where I'm championing other people's missions instead of trying to spread my own, and I got to say, it feels darn good. One of the best examples is helping my friend Courtney Carver with her Minneapolis-St. Paul tiny wardrobe tour stop, which happened two weeks back on June 29th, 2016. We had about 80 women and one man, not including me, at a beautifully restored old warehouse called 514 Studios in the North Loop neighborhood just outside of downtown Minneapolis for a night of capsule wardrobe conversation Basically, Courtney has taken and is going to continue to take her Project 333 message on the road until she visits 33 cities around the world. Now, that number is significant because Project 333 is a minimalist fashion challenge that invites you to dress with 33 items or less for three months. I was stoked to have her join my family for dinner one night while she was in town and uh, schlep her around to a TV morning show appearance, a stroll through a nature reserve with some restored prairie, some good old Minnesotan prairie, over to my house for lunch again, and afterwards, a quick conversation at my dining room table that's the core of this podcast episode. Neat, eh? 
you know, even uh, while we were somewhat awkwardly passing my single microphone back and forth, the production quality of this episode is much better than her first Smart and Simple Matters appearance way back on episode six when we spoke about habit stacking and using simplicity as a wake-up call. This time around, I really feel like I've done her justice, and I hope you will agree. In fact, now that I'm 100-plus episodes into Smart and Simple Matters, this chat with Courtney begins a series where I'm inviting back some of my favorite and some of your favorite previous guests from my first 18 months of podcasting, which is roughly from mid-2012 to the end of 2013. I'm, I'm going to do more than a where are they now theme because many of these guests have become friends and have been involved with some of the most fantastic, fascinating projects I know of, including Project 333. If you want me to bring back a specific guest from the golden, olden days of Smart and Simple Matters, just leave a comment in the show notes for this episode. Those are at joelzeslovsky.com slash S-A-S-M-104. Just tell me who the guest is and what you'd like me to chat with them about if there's something specific. Now, as for this episode, Courtney and I, we talked about how she fell in love with 40 strangers in 24 hours, how Courtney got 2,000 people in four days to ask her to come to her city, why relying on the gifts of others to co-create something amazing is uh, kind of amazing in itself, and much more. We're ready. Let's do it. Here we go. Courtney Carver is awesome. Is that a good enough intro for you, my friend? <laughs> uh, perhaps people need a little more context. All right. Uh, Courtney is awesome because she has helped tens of thousands of people have a better life through simplicity and using their new space, time, and resources to blaze a path back to love. She does that through blog posts and courses on her website, bemorewithless.com. With her minimalist fashion challenge and Nido capsule wardrobe concept, Project 333, through speaking around the world and being a fantastic wife and mother. How's that for an ad-libbed intro since I didn't prepare for a recorded chat because I didn't know that we were going to have one until about 15 minutes ago. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back to the show, Courtney, and welcome for the second time in as many days to my dining room table. Last time, Courtney, we spoke, it was via Skype across the country. This time around, it's you and me at my dining room table. That's pretty neat. I think it's fantastic. I'm excited that we're talking in person. I've never done this before, I don't think. Uh, at least nothing that I can remember. And we've had so many great conversations over the past day or two that I'm excited to see where this goes. Well, as far as where it goes, let's talk about where you've been, where you've gone physically. We've been talking for the last day or so as you've been in town for your tiny wardrobe tour. Minneapolis-St. Paul is the seventh stop among 33. We're going to get into that a little bit more because it's amazing what you're up to and the kinds of response that you've had. But as far as where you've been, we're not going to go all the way back into the depths of your childhood psyche or anything like that, but... From uh, a travel perspective, we've talked a ton about travel. I know you and your husband, Mark, you do a ton of travel now and that 
you have in the past done a lot of travel and your parents are super global oriented and they've done a lot of travel, just generally speaking, maybe you can create a, a comparison point between say now and 20 years ago, what the role of travel is in your life. I'd be happy to travel used to be just for vacation for me. And that's how I thought about travel. Even though my parents were active travelers and my mom worked in the travel industry and I know always wanted uh, my sister and I to see the world and really think about it in the same way she was for, for us, at least in the beginning, it was just about where are we going to go on a fun vacation? And I think even through my early twenties, I thought about it like that. And now my family lives all over the world. My parents live in Italy. My sister lives in the Middle East. And uh, my daughter has traveled extensively through Australia and Southeast Asia. And I have just really enjoyed seeing the world in a different way and not just from a vacation standpoint. And it's one of the reasons I really wanted to figure out a way to incorporate it into my work so that Honestly, so I could have more fun working. Speaking of incorporating travel into your work, last year you did a fair amount of travel for work. It wasn't anything ambitious like this tiny wardrobe tour that you're doing, but we were talking about Good Life Project and the immersion class program. Yeah, all all those things. I'm sure it's just a lot. Courtney's nodding at me for the record, by the way. This is fun since we only have one microphone. And you were talking about doing travels to New York and Costa Rica and combining travel as an element of exploration and also growth within your business and personally too. Maybe let's take a step back. As far some people who listen to the show, they also know about Jonathan Fields and the Good Life Project. Before we talk about Good Life Project immersion and the travel that you've done for it, I'm interested in hearing about some shifts, some themes, changes that I've read on Be More With Less and in other places, and some of the foundational points being with travel and the Good Life Project. Can you just explain what your experience has been with the Good Life Project first? Sure. And just for the record, I want to say that this is more challenging to podcast like this because I have to pay attention to you visually and listen to what you're saying and then try to remember all the questions, but I'm going to do my best. So I joined the Good Life Project Immersion Program in, I want to say it was maybe February or March a year ago, so 2015, and spent seven months with 40 amazing people, um, getting to know them in different parts of the world, which I think was really important because had we been in my backyard, I would have had my focus on other things. So to be in a place that was completely unfamiliar to all of us really allowed us, I think, to be more open and connecting with each other, uh, asking questions that we might not ask in day-to-day life. And it did inspire great shifts in both my Uh, personal life and especially in my work life and my business life and helped me to bring together some of the the threads in my business that I thought were pretty cohesive but weren't and tie them all together so should I do you want me to talk about that where so how about a story you were talking about this being well no you're talking about this being a place that you could ask questions that you wouldn't be able to ask in other places or be challenged and have other people ask questions of you that other folks just don't have the right mindset or you're not in the right container 
for for doing that kind of thing. Do you have a particular example or a story that illustrates what this immersion was? They Jonathan uses that word very intentionally as far as I know, immersion. It's an immersive experience. What does that feel like? It feels really scary to begin with. I am I am a pretty open person in terms of sharing my life on the internet, but I think personally I'm a very private person. And it takes me a while to get to know people and to trust people and to open up a bit. Uh, I always feel like people have the best intention, but still I have some protective walls up when I'm getting to know people. And in this case, and I, there aren't any specific stories that I want to go into because one of the things that we did is really build this, as you said, container of trust. And so there are a lot of things that happen that I would probably never share, but within, I would say less than 24 hours, I felt like I was genuinely in love with these 40 people that I had never met before. And I just truly cared about them from the get go. And of course they set the program up so that that would happen. And being the kind of person I am, I didn't think that that was possible but it definitely was. And it really made me start to think about other people that maybe I hadn't given a chance to or or how I could better connect with other people or be more open, share more of who I am in an effort to connect. And so we were asking each other um, very personal questions, uh, not only about our lives, but about what we wanted to do in the world in terms of work, how we wanted to show up and why, and really digging into those things that you might not take time for in day-to-day life. What shifted for you there? As I know you don't, it's a sacred space and I honor that and the fact that you don't necessarily want to tell a whole bunch of stories about it or about this person and that experience and these kinds of questions. But in terms of outcome-oriented things that came out of it, I know that you made a shift and you, you were talking about you met all these strangers and then within 24 hours, like you felt genuine caring. Love was the word that you used. And as far as what changed as a result of being there, perhaps you want to continue on the love theme. I would love to know how that has impacted how you're currently showing up in the world right now. Yes. Well, I'm happy to talk about my own experiences, of course, and what came out of that program. I think uh, most immediately the thing that I noticed is because I was willing to invest in this development program, both for my life and my work, I realized how much I cared about what I was doing. And so I wanted to honor that in every possible way. And one thing that we talked about quite a bit is, you know, I write about simplicity and decluttering and creating time and space. But we were talking about what what is the outcome of that? You know, why am I writing that? Am I writing it so people can have empty closets and clean bookshelves? And when I really got to thinking about how simplicity has impacted my life, I realized that it was my way back to love. So my way back to the people that I love in my life, really being able to pay attention during a conversation, engage, be helpful, um, a way back to the work that I love and care about, and to creating a life that I love. I, I lost that along the way in stress and busyness and keeping up and catching up, and simplicity did that for me. And while I had talked about love in 
articles from even five years ago, I never really owned that or connected the dots that this was the most important part of my message, the thing that really connected me with people that I wanted most for people and that people want for themselves. They want more love in their lives. And so I want to help them make more love. Well, thank you. You have certainly helped me along the way. I've been reading your stuff for over five years and I've noticed that shift. I didn't know that it was as a result, whether it was directly or just a natural organic evolution after you came back from some of your good life project immersion course. What's changed? Uh, We know it's changed for you in terms of how you've shifted and why, but the response from people who read your whether it's Project 333, whether it's Be More With Less, if you're on Periscope, on Instagram, I imagine this shift has changed in all mediums when you are trying to say, here's what I want to bring forth into the world. What kind of reactions are people having now that you didn't experience before? Well, without getting too sappy, I think that that we really are falling in love with each other on a deeper level because... Now I don't have to worry about being a decluttering expert or being something that uh, I think people expect of me, which is where I got into trouble in the first place in my life. Instead, I can just be myself and talk about things like falling in love and doing work that you care about and getting emotional over things that mean something to you and being real and talking about the fact that I'm not perfect. I don't always know what I'm doing and just talking like a human and other humans seem to really like that. (laughs) Go figure. Oh, I got to stop laughing here for a moment or maybe I don't. Oh, that's, that's so something that's, that's changed for me as far as there's a lot of podcasters I listen to. There's a lot of bloggers that I follow YouTube channels, whatever. I'm very much in tune with what's out there, whether it's in simplicity circles or paleo or parenting. There's a lot of different topics that really interest me. A lot of folks focus on the how to, how do I be a better dad? Or they focus like our mutual friend, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. Like they constantly talk about the why to, and they write in their book, Everything That Remains. This is not a how-to book. This is a why-to book. I know tons and tons of people who are very much into why-to. How-to is kind of a classic. And then people who are pretty prescriptive, they'll talk about what-to. I don't know if you've thought about it in this way, but for me, the why is huge. But you're almost shifting into a, a where-to person. And I've never, I'm just thinking about it out loud, I've never had this concept of, oh yeah, Courtney, she doesn't talk about the how-to. She just talks about the, the where-to. And the where is back to love. And of course, you're going to help people get there. And what that means to them, where they, where they go back to love, whether it's with their pets, whether it's with their family, whether it's with hiking, or it could be anything. Have you ever thought that there are certain people in the world who are guides, who are where-to people? I wish I had thought about it more because it's a pretty interesting concept, but I didn't. I do think about the why to and the how to for sure and dabble a little bit in both because sometimes I think the how to is more accessible for people to consider at first. And so if I were to 
um, show up in your inbox or on your front door and say, simplicity is the way back to love, you may shut the door pretty fast and think, she's crazy. But if I told you how to clean your closet out and let you experience the benefits of having an, an empty closet or near empty closet, you might be more open to that that next message. I know that was how it was for me. It started with the the mechanics and not the outcome. I had to learn what the outcome was along the way. Well, just for the record, you did show up on my doorstep yesterday and come in over for dinner, and you did talk about simplicity as a path back to love, and I did not close the door. I gladly welcomed you in. It was one of the best things that I've done all month or all year. So you don't think of yourself necessarily as a guide for people, although I'm sure people do find guidance in what you do and what you write. As kind of relating this back to something that I mentioned at the, at the top of our show, the Tiny Wardrobe Tour. Now, as far as where to goes, you've already been in a number of different places. You've been in six different cities here. You're in Minneapolis and St. Paul for the seventh stop out of 33 cities eventually. Wow, that's ambitious. I want to start with, for people who are like tiny wardrobe tour, what's that? is that a capsule wardrobe? Is this related to Project 333? I've heard of this thing before. I would love to know just about the concept of how you think about the capsule wardrobe. And then perhaps more importantly, or at least for this conversation, why? Like why, of all the various places you could be, digital or physical, why do you decide to literally take your clothes on tour and create this thing called the tiny wardrobe tour? Another really big question with lots of different answers. Uh, To back up just a little bit, Project 333 is a minimalist fashion challenge that I created to define what enough meant to me in my closet, especially. Because while I was simplifying and decluttering, I kind of backburnered the closet because I didn't want to go there. So now I am thinking about being a guide, but I was being my own guide. I knew I had to go there because it was just so chaotic and crazy. And interestingly enough, it was it was a very profound experiment in my life and in the lives of others, but I didn't really want to write about it all the time or talk about it all the time and kind of stopped and just put it aside. I mean, it was still there and available, but it wasn't anything that I focused on. But whenever I would do any type of public speaking or do uh, any kind of conversation, whether it be through um, Periscope or Twitter or anything like that, it always seemed to weave back to Project 333. People had a lot of questions about it. And so I have a great friend, uh, her name's Heidi Larson, and she has a site called foodiecrush.com. And we were friends before either one of us had a blog. And she basically told me to shut up and start stop complaining about this thing that people were so interested in because it was the place where we met. The, the closet experiment is where I would connect with people, and then we could go deeper if they wanted to. And I took that message to heart, and in January or February of this year, announced on my blog that I was going to meet people where they were physically as well and do a tiny wardrobe tour. 33 cities. I didn't know what the cities were going to be. I didn't even know if it was going to work at first. I just thought, I'm going to put the idea out there because if I don't, I'm going to talk myself out of it. And the response was tremendous. I mean, it was really 
overwhelming in the best possible way. Uh, people volunteered to help in different cities. Uh, people said they would definitely attend, that they would pay to attend. Um, it, it's not a, a money-making venture, but I wanted it to definitely be able to cover the travel. And right off from the get-go, it looked like it was going to work. And so I just started planning cities and, again, meeting people where they are now in two different ways, so physically where they are and also with the clothes. Like, let's talk about something that we all deal with every day and then see what happens, see where it goes. Well, I remember when you made that announcement, I'd be more with less. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. It's probably called the Tiny Wardrobe Tour. And is anyone else interested? Does anyone else want to have me come to their city? And I thought, come on, Courtney. Of course I want you to come to Minneapolis and do it. I filled out the form right away and I said, hand up. How many people within the first week or so put their hand up to say either, yes, please come to my city and I will help. I will help you find a venue. I will help be a liaison between whatever you need logistically, a hanging wardrobe rack. What was the response like? When I announced it, I put a survey out so that people could let me know, A, if they were interested, B, if they wanted to help and how they might want to help. And I think within the first four days, we had over 2,000 people that said, Come to my city, please. And they were cities from all over the world. I mean, Dubai and just places that I had never even considered. I mean, places in Mexico, places in South America, Australia, all over the U.S., Canada. And so all of a sudden, now my options just expanded because at first I thought, I don't even know where I'm going to go. And I guess I still felt like that afterwards, but I felt like there was so much more opportunity So it's something that is still unfolding. I haven't identified all the cities. I'm doing that uh, maybe three to five at a time, uh, depending on the time of year and what else is happening in my life. It's not a 33-city or back-to-back city tour because I want to have my life in between all of it and not try to mash this up. Yeah, it seems consistent with your message to go slow and to take a soulful approach to a tour as opposed to just bang out 33 cities as fast as possible. You were mentioning the fact that people from Dubai and Mexico, South America, all around the world, Australia, I'm sure, probably lots of different places in Europe. In some ways, I'm thinking that's awesome that all these people want your message, want you to come to where they are. And another way I'm thinking about it, well, that's kind of a bummer. I was kind of hoping that there would be pockets in the world that didn't need the kind of help that you offer. Did you have any, or do you, or did you have any thoughts about the nature of the need and how big it is and the fact that this was spread all across the world? Well, based on the fact that tens of thousands of people from more than 80 countries that I know about have tried Project 333, I knew that it was an issue in all areas of the world, or maybe not all, but most. And at first that was really surprising to me, but by the time I announced the tiny wardrobe tour, it wasn't because I've had conversations with people from um, Germany, from Sydney, from Florida, from all different walks of life, all different demographics, uh, people that live in cities, people that live in countries, you know, artists, students, accountants, moms, dads, all different kinds of people who found you know, this one way to test what they needed in their lives and discover it was way less than they thought. Does a particular story stick out with you 
I know you've tens of thousands of people have done it from 80 different countries and there must be Sarah from Sydney or Paul from Dusseldorf or somebody else. Is there, whether it was transformative or not, do you have someone in mind when you think, wow, I had no idea that I was going to touch somebody in this way with project 333? I do. And if I really thought about it, I would probably have many more stories to share. I often hear from people I'm grateful that the project has simplified their mornings, helped them save money, um, break shopping addictions, things like that. Uh, but I think the one that surprised me the most was uh, hearing from a woman who suffered tremendously from anxiety and anxiety disorder and was on different medication and just really had a rough go of it. And she said after practicing this project for over a year, um, she's been able to not only come off of all of her medicine, but really has this anxiety disorder under control, and it's not an issue in her life anymore. And, I mean, whether the, the closet project was everything to do with it, I doubt, but I'm sure that it opened her to the idea that less stress would impact her health in a positive way. And of course, that was the case for me. And but to hear it on that level was just really um, rewarding for me to help someone that way. Well, I'm sure you're going to hear lots more stories in person, no less. Tonight, by the way, it's, it's June 29th as we're recording this. Courtney will be hanging out with about a hundred people outside of downtown Minneapolis for a tiny wardrobe tour stop here. I'm just so grateful that, that you're here. Yesterday, we were taking some turns thanking each other as you were having dinner with me and my family, and thanks for the invite over here. And I'm like, of course, you, you, f- you flew all this way. You walked up to my doorstep. The least I can do is help you organize things or invite you over for dinner. And you're like, oh, but this is so great. You did this, and we're just going back and forth. Like, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, no, no. I insist. Thank you. Not that we're poo-pooing the contribution that we made to each other here. And I don't even think about in those terms, like, how much am I contributing? I just want to give, and you want to give as well. And this kind of goes back to something that we were talking about earlier before we started recording about me, the way that I see you is as a co-creator right now, bringing people together and really collaborating. And when you started off with Be More With Less or with Project 333, it seemed like it was just really, you weren't trying to exclude people, but it was a solo pursuit. It was you, you were doing your thing, you were comfortable with it, you didn't need to invite anyone else in the inside. But now, from what I know of you and from what I can see, from what I read, it seems like you are very much putting yourself in a position to co-create all around the world with all these amazing people that we know or that you could potentially connect with. Am I right in terms of this, this sense of collaboration, community, co-creation becoming a bigger theme in your life? It's true. I am definitely working with other people in, in better ways, especially compared to where I started. And I think when I first started, I needed to work alone. Um, almost exclusively because I was trying to figure things out for myself and I was still working, you know, full time, uh, for another company. And so it was really a a side hustle, if you will, even though I knew I wanted it to be something else and to stand on its own in the beginning, it was just, you know, working in the morning and the on lunch after hours. So there would have been no way for me to bring someone else in. 
And the more that I started to do it, and when I went out on my own completely, I realized that in most cases, I had no idea what I was doing. And I was always trying to figure things out on the fly. And I wasn't delivering in the best possible way or focusing on the things that I did specialize in or the things that I wanted to um, cultivate in my own work. So I've started to rely on the gifts of others and bring my best, they bring their best, and then we have something even more amazing to offer. And so that's been showing up in so many different ways uh, in my work, and it's just, I feel like it's just the beginning. Not that I want to have a full-on partnership for my business, but I love collaborating on these smaller projects, on the tiny wardrobe tour, like never knowing who I'm going to meet when I show up, and the volunteers from each Uh, city have been completely different. The venues have been completely different. And it's just sort of interesting to see how all of this stuff is unfolding from me saying, I don't know what I'm doing and people coming in to help. It's pretty amazing. I don't know what I'm doing either. But if you get a whole bunch of people who don't know what they're doing, oftentimes something pretty cool happens. And I, I love that aspect of inviting people in to what you're creating, giving them a sense of ownership. Probably not financial, maybe it's not logistical, maybe it's not a true partnership in terms of the way that people think about that word partnership, but at least symbolically saying, look at this thing, look at this movement that's part of a broader movement to be more intentional, to slow down, to simplify, to experience experiences over stuff, experientialism. There's a lot of different ways that people approach it and talk about it and think about it. But anytime we can co-own and co-create something and get our fingerprints, feel like we are a stakeholder in this thing that we're creating together, I've been experiencing that more and more as I think every day, how can I invite people to build with me? Or how can I invite myself, which happens frequently because I'm, uh, I'm not too shy and I can say, I love what you're doing. It's amazing. How, how can I be a better champion of this thing that you're creating how can I come on the inside a little bit and help you or help our local community? And I see that more and more in the people who I'm associating with and friends with, and perhaps it's just my, the lens in which I'm viewing the world, or maybe it's just a shift that I see more and more people making. Whatever it is, I really like it. And last, I'm trying to think back we, when we were wrapping up our conversation four years ago with the last time that we recorded an episode, we were joking about me being in Buenos Aires and you being in Mexico on the beach and who we had a little bet in terms of who would get there first. Just out of curiosity, if you wanted to live on the beach in Mexico, could you do it? If I wanted to live on the beach in Mexico, of course I could do it. And it's still definitely on my radar, but now that I am traveling more, I have a big curiosity about living in lots of different places for a short period of time to really test and experiment. Uh, But I'm also discovering every day, every week, every year that I really love where I live now. And I live in Salt Lake City and just there's so many things that I haven't been able to replicate in other areas. So as much as I love seeing the world, I really enjoy going home too. So I'm not sure it really matters where that will eventually be. I just know that I like to see the world and I equally enjoy going home. That's a really cool place to be literally and figuratively. I'm glad that you have that in your life. Well, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like people to know? 
I can't think of anything except one thing we were talking about today that I thought was so interesting. Uh, Personality-wise, you and I are pretty polar opposite. But we, as we were having lunch today, we realized how much crossover we have and what's actually going in, on inside of our brains. And so I think that's been very interesting to see how uh, somebody very introverted and somebody very intro- wait extroverted and introverted have so much in common. Uh, and I think you, maybe you bring out a little of my, a little extrovertedness in me. Like, I feel like I've been going for it during our conversations and, uh, but it's been very interesting to see. So I'm happy to like, the more that we get to know each other, the more I see that we have in common. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about being open to people, even if they're different, uh, because there is such opportunity for connection once we're being completely ourselves. Yeah, it's important, and I remind myself this all the time, extroversion, introversion, other things on the Myers-Briggs or your Enneagram or your Strengths Finder, whatever those it, those are, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of potential connection points between two humans or to a group or to a community. And to focus on a singular one and say, that person's not for me because they're XYZ and I'm this thing, to me seems really short-sighted and rather limiting. So I like to acknowledge and honor the differences that I have with other people, but also I love focusing on, oh, you love spreadsheets too? I know you don't, Courtney, but um, oh, you're of this religious history or political persuasion or all these various things which are really fascinating to talk about? Oh, I am too. Let's explore the overlap and how we're the same and how we might do cool things together as opposed to just focusing on that singular thing and saying, ah, nope, done here. You are a X and I am a Y, and therefore I got to associate with some of the other 7.3 billion people in the world and not you. I know there are a lot of people who think like that, and to some extent I, I get that. I used to have that mindset. I think that my current mindset, that openness, that whether it's openness with transparency, just simply being open, even if you can't necessarily move beyond that, that's such a gift that you give to yourself and also to the people who are around you. All right, that was just a little sidebar that was unnecessary, but it happened, like everything in conversations with me. Sidebar, but it happened. <laughs> Courtney, for people who want to explore more of Tiny Wardrobe Tour, Project 333, Be More With Less, you have a lot of really nifty stuff going on and coming up. Where would you like them to connect with you? I think you can find most anything on bemorewithless.com and uh, Instagram. I really like sharing things there on a pre- pretty regular basis. So say hi on Instagram if you're there. Word up. Well, thank you very much, Courtney. This has been fantastic. I'm really grateful that we're doing this at my dining room table and that you're making a lot more room for love in your own life and helping so many other people do it. It's coming back to love. I want to make sure that people understand that everything that we've been talking about, travel and simplicity and interconnectedness and communities, a lot of that just all comes back to more love. All right. I know I've asked this before. I'm going to ask it again. Are you feeling the love? As the Dixie Chicks sang, and I wish you could hear directly from them without me infringing on their copyright, since their lead singer, Natalie Maines, sings about a thousand times better than I do. More love. I can hear our hearts crying. More love. I know that's all we need. More love. 
to flow in between us, to take us and hold us and lift us above. If there's ever an answer, it's more love. Uh, now, even if you don't have any love for my singing talent, and I totally understand if you don't, I hope you have some for Courtney. Go accept her invite to connect on Instagram. Her handle is be more with less. And just head over to bemorewithless.com for so, so much more simplicity and no bad singing, all of which is only going to bring you more love in the future. You can find links to all the stuff we spoke about, topic timestamps, takeaways, and more grooviness in the show notes for this episode. That is at joelzeslovsky.com slash SASM104. You'll also see information in the show notes about how to support me, this show, and our community at joelzeslovsky.com slash support. Zeslovsky is spelled Z-A-S-L-O-F-S-K-Y. If you're not already a podcast subscriber, maybe you want to leave a brief iTunes review, you're going to find links to all that fun stuff. One more Joel Zaslavsky link coming up, jz.com slash SASM104. One last note for now, Colin Wright, a two-time guest of the show and soon-to-be three-time guest, if I have anything to say about it, he just started his own podcast called Let's Know Things. Goodness, it's hot. Normally, you have to skip past the first few episodes of a podcast until the podcaster gets the rhythm, but not with Colin. He just he just knocked it out of the park with his first episode called Contextualism and China. I highly recommend you give it a listen. There's a link to Let's Know Things in the show notes to help make exploring Colin's mind and world easier. Now, if you got something out of this episode or you just generally dig the show, share it. I don't do much promotion, but even if I did, your word of mouth is always, always the best way to spread the message of simplicity, community, connections, and authenticity. Thanks in advance. I'm always grateful. Acts large or small, your support is phenomenal. You've just listened to the Smart and Simple Matters podcast with Joel Zeslovsky. Now go simplify something, hug someone, or get your sexy spreadsheet on.